Hello, and welcome to another Light Reading Podcast. My name is Phil Harvey. I am the editor at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. And I'm Ed Meyercourt. I'm the CEO of Extreme Networks. Ed, thank you so much for joining us. Really glad to have you on the podcast. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to speak with you, Phil. This is a first time uh, podcast appearance for you. Is that is that correct? That's correct. That's okay. correct. Good deal. Well, we've covered uh, Extreme Networks on and off for, for a number of years, so we're uh, familiar with the company and we've been kind of keeping track of the, uh, uh, I guess, the transformation of a company like Extreme because it's a, it's a <laughs> specialist companies like Extreme are so much fun to watch because they so closely, uh, in my opinion, so closely mirror the technology change that the whole industry's going through. Uh, you know, from hardware to software, more cloud, cloud-enabled, um, recurring revenue, that kind of thing. Well, and you know, at Extreme, think about what's happened with the industry. And years ago, I've been CEO now for almost eight years, mm-hmm. but it was it was all about speeds and feeds. It was like, okay, who's got the box? What's the fastest box, et cetera? And now it's all about sort of creating this, you know, experience um, where it's easier to deliver, you know, high quality networking experience through the cloud, right? So, and, and, you know, visibility of the network from the cloud and then all these new tools in terms of AI, ML and new capabilities. And it's fundamentally changed networking. And that's all we do. (laughs) So some of the other, some of our larger competitors do other things, but that's really, you know, we focus on, you know, enterprise networking and then we have service providers in the mix um, you know, and a very, very targeted applications there, but, um, you know, we're exclusively focused on networking and, and a leader in cloud networking. And it's been really fun and we have a, we have a great team and we've got a differentiated solution and we're winning in the market. So it's, that's, that's always fun. Oh, thanks for coming on the podcast. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. I do have a question that, that, that kind of, you, you've kind of answered some of it, but um, but but because it also kind of applies to I think another company that we watch closely in the space, which is Juniper Networks, which um, you know up until recently had been more, I would say, well, you know, they're also a networking specialist, had been more tilted toward the service provider uh, right. sort of side. Um, why are are extreme companies like Extreme and, and Juniper doing so well in the enterprise versus the classic uh, players like Cisco? And yeah, it, it, Phil, I was just talking about it as far as cloud, right? We talk about cloud. And and so Juniper acquired Mist, and Mist is you know very advanced in terms of their uh, AI and ML capabilities in the cloud. And then there are these automation tools now that you can sort of bring into play um, that are are really changing the it, it really changes the landscape. We're a leader in cloud as well. Uh, from an enterprise perspective, we're about the the same size as Juniper, uh, but it's it's really that cloud. It's the cloud, uh, the evolution of cloud networking, which is going to put us, I would say, in front. What's interesting is we do see Juniper when we get in very competitive situations, where we have forward forward minded uh, customers. Uh, it, Cisco and HP tend to get thrown out early, and then it, it usually gets down to a head to head with Juniper, and it's all about. Um, the features and the capabilities and what we can bring to play to simplify the networking experience. And then we have advantages because we have more data flexibility. So you can run, you know, XIQ is our cloud platform, but you can run that in AWS, Azure, GCP, um, 
We have sort of unlimited data. We're very focused on data, data analytics, and how to leverage data from the network to drive a, a business outcome or not even business, you know, a, a, an outcome for a school or for you know, hospital, et cetera. So it's all about leveraging cloud, um, the flexibility of cloud, having the visibility end to end of the entire network from you know, this single pane of glass that everyone has been running for, but you can literally see every network device. You can see every client that's connected to every single device, and you can see every application that's running on every device. And now you have all of that visibility, you have all that data. So now it becomes more strategic because as you're looking at evolving your environment, uh, networking is the connective tissue to everything. So, you know, your IoT devices, you know, what have you, um, you know, all, all of your humans, the applications, application performance. So, and now we have these, these, these tools that are providing like really, you know, good insights as to what's going on in that network. And people are providing, you know, seeing a lot of value in it. Some of the larger players are a little, I would say, dislocated mm -hmm. uh, because they don't have this seamless end-to-end -end view uh, of the network from the cloud. Yeah. With um, more visibility into the network, does it become more challenging to kind of manage the data lake and um, to do those data analytics? Can you talk a little bit more about uh, what types of features you're providing um, your customers so that they can really make the most of that visibility into the network? Sure. Well, you know, we talk about, um, we just crossed over the 2 million uh the 2 million network device mark in our cloud. Uh, and we're the second largest cloud after, uh, after Cisco Meraki. Um, but you know, some of the things that we can do with all the data that we collect, like we can predict failure. So for example, so instead of waiting, let's say you're in a campus environment, you have an access point uh, or you're in retail uh, or depending on who the customer is, you know, FedEx is a customer and in their distribution center, we, we acknowledge that, there are certain characteristics, maybe, you know, is, is an issue with a certain channel and a, a Wi-Fi channel, et cetera, but we can predict network failure. So instead of waiting for the event and then troubleshooting the event, we can predict it. And then you really don't need an expert to replace an access point. So we can say, this is going to fail. We can automatically ship you a new piece of equipment and then it, it, it will auto configure. It'll get its configuration from the cloud. So literally it's just a, you know, unplug and plug and, you, you know, you never really had the issue. I mean, that, that, that's one example. And the other thing that we look at is, um, you know, what's, what's happening in the network in terms of, you know, are there like an anomalous behaviors, for example, like where you see something unusual that, 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 that happening in the network, well, then we, we can alert uh, the, the, the IT team. And these are things that they wouldn't find or they wouldn't see normally. And then, you know, there's a, you know, a, a big issue around security there. So, um, you know, that, you know, those are just, you know, a couple of the features, you know, in the new network. The other thing that is really popular with Extreme that differentiates us is our network fabric. So we have the largest deployed enterprise network and fabric and the combination of the fabric with the cloud. And it's, it's a layer two fabric, um, but it, it provides this, this, this great uh, layer of security uh, in addition to making it really easy to make changes to the network, configuration changes, et cetera. So it's, it's like a zero touch auto provisioning feature that just makes it really easy to manage the network. So it's this, this enterprise fabric that we have combined with our cloud and the capabilities of cloud that really differentiate 
us out in the marketplace. Digital twin, I, I, I don't want to, digital twin was the other, uh, the other area that has been very pop popular. Instead of having to, if you want to, if, if you want to build out a network, you can actually build a network virtually. Mm. And so we're the first people and we're the only people that have this technology that we develop. So in the cloud, you can, you can, you can create the network and test the network and manage the network that, that, that it's, it's a digital twin. It's virtual. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. But then once you have that, you can then deploy the network and auto configure the network based on what you've built in the cloud already. So that's, that's kind of a, that's something that, that, that people are you know quite interested in. It saves people a lot of time and a lot of money. And, yeah. um, you know, yeah, so I imagine that would, yeah, be, um, a little bit easier than just having to back up to the, you know, uh, previous best known state of the network is that you can, uh, kind of play around in the sandbox a little bit and, and see what's going to work before you, um, apply it and then have to backtrack and figure out what, what went wrong. Exactly. Kelsey, that, I mean, that think about if you had to, you know, deploy a mock network to test it, like the expense, the timing, et cetera. And the idea that you can do it virtually, yeah, it saves you a lot of time, saves a lot of money. And, and you know, it's just, you know, it, it makes sense. But this is a capability that we can bring because of our cloud. That's cool. Well, in, in one of the um, uh, sort of verticals that you guys are, are uh, making a, a larger impact in recently is retail. Um, you know, I, I was I was looking at uh, some some retail wins you've had recently. Um, in that vertical, what what are you doing differently there? Because I, I I don't know if you want to talk about the uh, the thing at Kroger, but that was a pretty big win, and uh, it seems like it, it seems like you all are are uh, are making inroads into that vertical. Is there something about that those kinds of companies that sort of line up well with how how you do networking? Sure. Well, I mean, and that's a great example of what I was saying earlier, where the two larger players get tossed and then it gets down to a sort of a beauty contest with us and Juniper Mist. And we, um, you know, we, we won this, which was a, which is a big win for us considering the magnitude and the size of the customer. We've been, we've been moving upstream in terms of the size and, and the magnitude of the wins that we've been having. And this was, um, you know, the largest win in our company's history. So it was big and it's retail. And this is about, in this case, this was wireless um, and wired comes next and our fabric, you know, we think is gonna, we'll, we'll win the day there as well. But it was really about, um, it, it was really about our cloud and, and cloud choice, cloud flexibility, and, um, and then the features that we can bring to bear. One of the things with a, with a, a customer of that size and magnitude, um, you know, we can, they can help us develop our cloud and our capabilities and we can sort of build, build to, to, to their specs, if you will. Um, but we have a long standing, it was a combination of a long standing partnership uh, with them. Um, it was, uh, our, our differentiation in terms of the new technology and new cloud and our, and our, what we call our universal hardware platforms. And, uh, that's the most flexible hardware in the industry. Uh, and then, some of the you know unique capabilities as it relates to you know, POE and, and things that we can do in a retail environment uh, to support them. And you know, th there's the, the idea that we can manage more than just extreme devices in our cloud. And this whole idea of, for example, they have an issue with refrigeration. They, they want to know like if the refrigerator goes down or they have an issue, yeah. um, it's very expensive for them. So yeah. now all of a sudden you're, you're looking at sort of 
temperature monitoring, um, you know, among other among other items. Uh, they they have a lot of handhelds in the retail environment. We acquired uh, the, the the wireless LAN business from Zebra, which was formerly Motorola, but we have unique capabilities to help with their handhelds. So this is something that you know another they're an alliance partner of ours but you know inside of a kroger environment they have a problem with people losing these things you know scanners you know supply chain etc well now we have you know precise locationing we know where everything is we also have intelligence around the device health and then we can also predict again predict failure if they're having problems and provide insight so it's beyond the network it's it's the network and then it's zebra devices and then it's temperature monitoring devices for you know, refrigeration units, et cetera. So these are the kind of things that we, you know, that, that, that we brought to bear. And, um, and the other, we're the, what we would say is the right size company to work with. Mm-hmm. There is a different level of customer intimacy when you work with Extreme. More so than, I know you mentioned Juniper, more than Juniper, more than you know, Cisco, more than HPE, we provide a different level of engagement and and customers really value that and so um you know i think you know those are things that you know come into play we talk about you know sports leagues with us we won the nfl i saw you did a piece with the cowboys yeah, yeah. The, the stadium experience you know is another thing like we we dominate that market because we just have a superior solution and you were you were, um, you were mentioned in that in that uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned in the piece, but I know you were mentioned on the tour for sure. There were, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't mean to derail you there, but yeah, the state. I, I think with stadiums and with uh, you know grocery stores and retail stores, I think people would be shocked at how um, uh, how intricately intricately networked these environments are. You know how many devices are actually on the network. How many? How 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 in, insanely critical. Um, Wi-Fi and cloud working together are in those places. Sure. Um, what, yeah. what, what, what's been kind of the standout uh, uh, sort of attribute that that's helped you advance in the, in the stadium market or, or, you know, or, or when with the, uh, with the NFL. I, yeah. It, it, this is really about um, it, it's more about the data and it's more of, I would say it's, it's around our data analytics so, you know, we have, you know, our data analytics are in, in every single stadium, and then we have a knock and all that data is getting transmitted to New York uh, NFL headquarters. And we, we can provide visibility as to, you know, all the data traffic and what's going on in, in, inside the environment. And so there are a lot of different things. What the NFL wants, they want people to be at the stadium. So they're trying to fill up the stadium and they're really worried about fan experience. And so understanding the fan experience and what's going on there and having you know, visibility and insights is, is, is really important. The other thing that the league is doing, which is kind of fascinating, um, it's hard to watch a game without seeing all the commercials about gambling and gambling apps, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the NFL I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the NFL wants to be the exclusive provider of data. And there sure. are people in the stadiums that are trying to front run and get ahead of like the betting and they're uploading data. And so we developed something called Data Scout uh, that we use with, with the NFL, but we can monitor every single device in the stadium. And then we can look for um, you know, the, the, the same traffic patterns, if you will, uh, for what, you know, what, what feeds the, the, the gambling apps 
Um, and then all of a sudden you see like you have, you know, common traffic and we were really down to the point where we can find, you know, the, the people in the stadium who are actually doing it to enforce um, the NFL's, you know, kind of right to data. And it is pretty interesting because we find probably 10 or more in every game where people are oh, trying to upload data. So, yes, you know, that is ownership of the broadcast, but also the data spun off yeah. of the broadcast while the game's going on. It's sort of exactly. Wow. Exactly. So it's like, you know, they they realize that data can be another asset <laughs> and they, another way that the league can monetize an asset and yeah. they want to protect that. And so we're work, we, we partner with them to protect that as an mm-hmm. example. So these are things that are not as obvious as, you know, you might think. Um, and then there's, you know, and then there's a lot of applications around, you know, this fan experience and drive, like, how do we drive a higher quality fan experience? And there's a lot of ways to leverage data from the network and data analytics um, to do that. And so you know, we're, we're very active on that front. And I'd say, you know, probably you know, we're, we're out in front of the industry on that front. Yeah. If anybody's um, listening to this and you haven't been to an NFL game in the last, like, you know, couple of years, especially in the last year, um, and it doesn't have to be at Cowboy Stadium. It can be <laughs> any, pretty much anywhere. Um, but uh, Cowboy Stadium is one of the more connected ones. But the the game within a game aspect of going to an NFL game is absolutely remarkable. Like even if you don't think you're into fantasy sports and things like that, I would say definitely go to the NFL app and like play along with some of the fantasy stuff. It is, it is ridiculous, not only how quickly um, – the game itself is digested for you and sort of uh, contextualized, but how quickly the video gets to your phone, how how insanely fast the statistics are available, and you can actually have a conversation about not just what happened, but an, a, a player's entire career <laughs> during the thing. And it's all there, right? Yeah, yeah. This is stuff we used to have to wait until the drive home and listen to the post game show, or wait until the next day and see it, you know, kind of written out in the newspaper or whatever. It's like you can have those kind of conversations right there about the the, the sport at in, literally in between plays. So it's like yeah. something to do during those extra long timeouts when when Andy Reid doesn't know when to throw the challenge. <laughs> you can be. Uh, um, you know, enjoying yourself and playing the game within a game. And, you know, thank goodness for um, not only high quality networking, but also processing that data in the background, because that's, that's what we didn't know we needed. And now it makes the game, you know, extra fun. It creates a, you know, enriching the fan experience and, you know, it's playing over, you know, now what we're seeing is we're seeing this kind of pick up in Europe as well. Um, You know, we won Manchester United and Liverpool and um, we have, uh, Olympia Stadium at Berlin, uh, where they'll have the football European uh, Cup Championship in, in 2024. But the Europeans are picking up on this now as well. They were a little bit, you know, they were lagging, and now they're sort of, you know, getting on the bandwagon and realizing that, you know, p- that, that experience, you know, that uh, connectivity and that experience in the stadium is is valuable, and it's probably one of the like, number one things that people are focused on. Um, yeah, the, the hand wringing part of it early on had been about you know, oh, this is going to distract people from the game. It's like absolutely, exactly the opposite. They're, right. They've never been more into what's happening because <laughs> they're going to, you know, they, they, they want to see what, what's happening and they want to predict what's going to happen next. And it doesn't, it doesn't cause them, you know, for a minute to go, oh, I'll just go roam out in the corridor. I can, you know, I can watch it later. It's yeah, like, you, no you, way. you know, what the, we were at the, uh, the Patriots, um, 
you know, the Kraft family, early adopters of our technology, and they, they really introduced us to the league and got us going. So we, we owe them a lot of credit. Um, but I was at the Patriots-Bills game earlier, and they asked everyone in the stadium to download an app. And the app basically controls the light on your phone. And then they asked everybody to hold up and, they, and, and put in your seat number. So you put in your seat number and you download the app. And then you hold up your phone and they did a light show at halftime using everyone's phone, which was really cool. They had a wave, like That's a cool. virtual wave, but they basically created a light show using everyone's phone. It was really yeah, interesting, different. Yeah, right? yeah def- definitely a different yeah. uh, kind of fan experience. Uh, uh, well, I, uh, Kelsey just uh, uh, sent me a warning over our chat that said, please shut up about football. So uh, <laughs> I have another question. Uh, I was thinking about this an interview and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it'd be interesting for, um, you know, the Durham Bulls are, are popular in our area and um, having, you know, instead of you just going and eating a ton of hot dogs, like having something else to <laughs> focus on too. I mean, in addition to the game. But <laughs> I mean, I've been to that stadium. I've been to that stadium, Kelsey. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We have an office there. Oh, excellent. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, and kind of circling back to um, the digital twin conversation, are there um, some kind of unique applications for using digital twins for uh, like stadium environments or, um, you know, the NFL or even the Durham Bulls um, is some customers like that? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think, I mean, it applies, it, it, Kelsey, it really applies to all of our verticals. So, you know, you think about it, but it, it applies to, you know, you know, we have big manufacturing customers, we have, um, you know, schools, um, what we call SLED, state, local government, education is sort of a big vertical for us. You know, it, um, retail, we, we touched on that, state environment. It, it really applies everywhere uh, and, you know, across all of our verticals, you know, as does the cloud and as does our fabric. So we, we have these kind of technology components, if you will, that come together. And then you know, we do have specific solutions that might be you know, vertical specific um, and how to leverage, you know, leverage the technology to drive a certain outcome, let's say in you know, healthcare, for example. Um, we should uh, probably wrap up for timing's sake, but la- last question I wanted to kind of uh, ask is more, is more about kind of running a company these days, because it's an interesting time that we're in where... Um, your, your business is going, you know, has kind of gone from that hardware centric to, to, to more of a software as a service uh, and cloud based business as you know, that would, that would tend to make it, I would think a more predictable business, but on the other hand, you've still got things like the, the, uh, the hangover from the pandemic and the supply chain issues and things like that. So I guess I'm, I guess my question is, um, uh, how hard or how how difficult is it, even with a, a a big a bigger portion of your business being software, to sort of project where the company's going and and kind of uh, you know to to sort of look ahead and see um, you know what opportunities are are, are going to pay off? Does does being more software centric help that, or uh, or or is there uh, you know are there other factors to sort of think about? I I, I think it helps because. You know, customers who are leveraging our cloud, uh, they they become stickier customers, and so they have, um, yeah. So I think in that in that case, it's it's more predictable because of the differentiation in cloud. And I mentioned fabric. Um, you know, our batting average has gone up, so we're winning more competitive deals and more you know what we would call new logos um, to leverage the cloud. So it's interesting the subscription business and the software actually pulls through 
the hardware because people are really interested in cloud. And we talked about digital twin and these kinds of technologies. But at the end of the day, you know, it pulls through, you know, uh, the, the, the product component, if you will. So, um, yeah, we're, we're up at 115 million of, of, of ARR in terms of our, you know, pure software subscription licenses. And, um, yeah, you know, that's growing at a clip of you know thirty plus percent, and and that's going to continue into the foreseeable future. Um, that will, for us, it drives it drives, um, it, it drives a, a higher margin. And as far as the mix, as we reswizzle the mix, um, it's really healthy for our business. Really healthy for our business. So, and I know we just announced we had record results, um, and uh, and we increased our guide and our guidance. And you know, when you look at the when you actually just look at the revenue and what's coming here for the next couple of years, because of the backlog, you mentioned supply chain. Yeah. We have, we have over a half a year of, of, of product sales that, and, and even more when you start adding subscription licenses that are attached to them that have already been paid for that are just waiting to flow through our income statement more or less. Oh, so we're okay. in a way we're de-risked because it's already been paid for. It doesn't cost us money. We're not going to go resell that. And so that's going to flow through in addition to just the organic growth in the business, that's going to provide this big, big wave of growth. And that's why Extreme is the, we're the fastest growing player in the networking industry. So when you're looking out like over, you know, I mean, I think on your guidance last time you gave, was it fiscal year 2025, like going all the way out that far? 26. 26. What's, what are you working on for 26 then, I guess? That's exactly what we're working on right now. We're making some, we've got a great opportunity to make some investments that are going to really ramp in, in 25 and 26. Wow. So, I okay. mean, that's where, you know, we have kind of the status quo business, if you will, that's running and look, our, our product teams do a great job of innovating. Our sales teams are really executing. It's resident. There's never been a better time to be a salesperson, you know, at Extreme Networks, given the differentiation, particularly against the largest company in our space, Again, it's a little dislocated with their solution. So, um, you know, we're, you know, we're winning uh, more uh, and, and executing across the board. And so there's this kind of base demand. And then you have the, the backlog that's going to flow through. And so now is the time. It's an unprecedented, you know, investment cycle for us at Extreme. And it's exciting. And we have, a, you know, the good news for us is that we have a lot of ways to play in the market, you know, given our relative size there are a lot of opportunities for us to invest in, and and what I would consider to be you know, low low risk investments that are going to drive growth in twenty five and twenty six. Hmm. Um, meaning, like software companies or uh, other. Uh, and, yeah, th- these are all organic growth initiatives inside the oh, company. Okay. You know, from an M and A perspective, you know we, you know M and A, you know we'll, you know we'll be opportunistic. I guess I would say if we if there's a particular opportunity, but these are just organic growth opportunities. Yeah. And um, you know opportunities for us to take share. So there's there's a lot of excitement inside of Extreme right now because we're executing so well, and we have this 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 runway, and we're putting a lot of investment into the company for higher growth. Kelsey, he's talking about fiscal year 2026. I, I don't even know what I'm having for lunch. <laughs> this is this is what <laughs> you see the difference in the kind of companies you're 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 affiliated with. I'm having like how, cup of well. noodles. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. We're back on the journalism thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Myra Court, thank you so much for uh, being part of the Light Reading Podcast. We really, uh, we, we, uh, we hope it won't be uh, uh, quite, quite as, it took us a while to get you on this time. And we, hopefully the next time uh, it'll, it'll be uh, a, a little bit shorter time. Great. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity and, and pleasure to meet you. And 
So, yeah, Phil, Kelsey, thank you. Great to be with you. Thanks so much. 